This is the Unhindered Voice Podcast, empowering you to sing with freedom and authority. My name is Jeff Mathena, and I am a vocal coach living in Nashville, Tennessee. And today's episode is an interview with Tim Timmons. Now, I was especially excited to record this interview because I love Tim. He's a friend of mine. We met about a year ago because he's actually a pastor on staff at the church that I attend, Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. But in addition to being a pastor, he's also a recording artist, a worship leader, a Grammy-nominated songwriter, and as I actually learned the day of this interview, he's also a chef and has had his own TV show. So now you get to experience his wit and his charm and his storytelling. Here is that interview. Yeah, good yawn. Start that way. Yeah, some, that's, isn't that good for vocal? Y- you need some coffee. No, today, uh, man. Today's a good day to start. No, no. Today's a good day to start. What happened? Oh, I didn't get much sleep last night. It's the... Do you have a toddler too? Nope. Are you sleeping on a bus? I've been sleeping on a bus for... Was that last night? You slept nope, on a bus? two nights ago. Yeah, I haven't slept much in the past little bit. Okay. Why didn't you sleep last night? Um, Because I've been going to bed at two every night oh that'll do it yeah Yeah. that'll do it okay uh then you get back and you're like okay well i'm not tired right yeah yeah because it's not it's not bedtime nope not bedtime yeah bus life is uh 2 a.m to like 10 p.m yeah but i i go 2 a.m to like 8 okay i just can't wake up i can't sleep in so i've only been on a tour bus uh one time I went out with the guys from For King and Country, uh, and it was um, just from Nashville to Pigeon Forge and back. Yeah. And um, I just remember, you know, we left at midnight, and we arrived at 3, and everybody sleeps in until yep. like 10. Yep. And I'm there in a you know professional capacity. I'm there to be like Mr. Vocal Coach yeah. and like, like whatever. And, um, you know, I wake up, and the doors are closed, and it's pitch black, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm the only one in here. Yeah. It's so quiet. Yeah. Like, I'm not doing my job. It's it's probably noon. And they're all like, where is Jeff? And I mean, it was probably like 9 a.m. Yeah. And I like jump out of bed and like get dressed and go out. And I realize that everybody is still in their bunks yep. sleeping. Yep. That is pretty typical. And uh, that nobody's doing anything. And it was like, oh, I haven't, I haven't missed a thing. Yeah. Life really, I mean, the whole, yeah, all the, all the crew, they've been working since, you know, eight, but band guys, they just kind of sleep until whenever. Yeah. It's amazing. How many years have you been touring? Have uh, you, have you almost, almost six. Okay. Five and who six. are you, who are you touring with right now? Tell us about what you're right doing. Right now I'm on a tour with, um, a little outfit called Mercy Me. Mm-hmm. I've heard the of Mercy Me. I've heard of them. Um, uh, a song called I Can Only Imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, also, Tenth Avenue North is so they're like two of my favorite. Yeah, they're out bands on the road anyways, with you. Just like as friends, these are two of my favorite. They're out on the road with you. Pretty much, it's been really weird just being me and being so such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so and yeah, yeah, I open for them, but it's that's kind of the other way around. That's because Actually, you are humble. It was beautiful the other day. We we're in um, Philly, and I had just played in Philly and whatever, and so we're out at some market this really cool market in philly where we have these amazing donuts and you guys out of 
everybody, I just kept getting recognized. I mean, this never happens. It's always these other people. Tim Timmons? Tim Timmons? And I was like, well, sucks to be you guys because I'm kind of a big deal today. So <laughs> apparently in Philly, it was so great. So they, they said, why don't, you, why don't you do the main set tonight? So it didn't happen, everybody, but I sure tried. Man, your beard is astonishing. Thank you. It's always, it's not that it's uh, massive. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not like, you know, it doesn't go down to your belly button or anything. Yeah. You know, like most people, if you go, oh, that beard's impressive, people just go, oh, it must be huge. It's, it's, it's just shaped so well. Well, I, I, I am going to do a YouTube, uh, the YouTubes, um, on a how to shape your beard. Because uh-huh. everybody always asks. So, you know, I'm a little specific about it. I mean, I, I you know how you are with coffee? Uh-huh. I'm kind of that way with my beard. Uh-huh. Well, I want to be that way with my beard. I actually was... Jeff is a total nerd with coffee, everybody. I mean, he I just watched him do the pour-over thing, which is gorgeous. I mean, I was just impressed. Dude, don't throw my stuff out on the street. No. Come on. Dude, that's impressive. Yeah. It's one of the joys in life. Yeah. Uh, but no, not not lying in any way here. I was in front of the mirror this morning, trimming my yeah. beard, going, you're hanging out with a really good beard today. Oh, gosh. No. I'll, and I was I'll sitting here going, players. how does he... How would... How would Tim do it if he yeah. was here? Yeah. And I literally was thinking that this morning. I want to know his process. Okay. And I, so I will I will when you do share that, that video secret with you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. I'm gonna watch it. Yep. Um you have released music in the recent histories. Yes. Tell me about that. Yeah, well I uh I signed with Provident um uh I think five years ago, five or six years ago. And did two records with them. So that was a really great experience. I was not trying to be, I was, so I've been a worship leader my whole life. Like, mm-hmm. um, started drums at seven, started playing guitar at 11, you know, all that stuff. And never really wanted to do anything with Christian music. I didn't want to be a worship leader. I just wanted to go out and actually, um, there's a guy named David Wilcox who's one of my heroes. Oh, man. East, Na- East Asheville oh. Hardware. Oh, my God. Come gosh. on with it. I mean, the stories that guy tells and the way that he invites you to like own your own response out of these songs is crazy. Yeah. Cause he tells you these stories and walks you into this thing and you feel like you are part of this journey. Um, anyways, the, the guy is a genius and what he is so amazing at is he could literally bring people into this. He didn't even have to say the word Jesus. He still gets people to pursue truth and, um, and I, I asked him once, actually, I got tired to talk to him, and asked him uh, why he doesn't talk about Jesus much. And he said, people would just walk out. He said, but when I point people to something bigger, they'll actually start, you know, thinking through it. Yeah. And I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go out and do that in the world and just not necessarily be an evangelist, but just say, hey, what if there's more? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyways, that was that was my hope for years. And I was going to do that. And when got, he's able to have conversations with people that, that somebody with the title of pastor yes. will never get to have. Oh my gosh, no way. Because you're in this stanky bar and, you know, he's. Yeah. And people, you know, people find out eventually that they love Jesus and they go, wait, what? Yeah. He, it's just, it, he's, it, the way he writes songs, it's just, it's, it's incredible, you guys. So if you've never heard him, it, yeah, David Wilcox. East Asheville Hardware is one of the most brilliantly written songs. Yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah, the, that it, the whole record is a live record, and he just tells stories. Anyways, you'll love it. Best concert in the world. Um, but I remember um, wanting to pursue, you know, mainstream music, and um, 
I had said yes to a pastor, like a youth pastor thing, just so I could get ready and um, and get my songs ready and just whatever. And in that time, I was four years in, and I was about a week uh, a week out from leaving that job. Um, and I was going to go full time mainstream. And that's when I found out that I had like an incurable cancer. So that was 16 years ago. Uh, they gave me five years to live at that point. And wow. uh, I was I was so thankful that in that moment, I had one week left of insurance. <laughs> and <laughs> so if it would have been a week later, I wouldn't have had insurance and it would have wow. been just a mess. Um, so the church that I was a part of, community um, called Mariner's Church in Orange County, California. It's yeah. an amazing group of people. Um, they kept me on and said, why don't you just work out your stuff. It's where Ethan came from too, right? Mm -hmm. Ethan Hulse. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I did. And in that time, I got him Stan Endicott, who's one of my greatest heroes in the world. Um, and one of the funniest men you'll ever meet. I mean, he's, you would love him. He would Mm. love you. Um, he was like the Maranatha. He did all the Maranatha. He produced all those Maranatha songs, like old school. Yeah. Like old school. Anyways, uh, he, basically hired me on to be the worship leader of that whole church community. Oh, wow. And I remember going, I remember Jesus changing my heart right before that happened. I started seeing all these people and I thought I could go out and make a fan at a time and point them to Jesus. Or I could actually help this whole, you know, there are thousands of people at that church community, every service. And it was like, what if I could help these people see Jesus and that they would represent Jesus at work or wherever they are. And I started seeing it as multiplication instead of addition. And if I could help these people actually look more like Jesus and worship him all week long, um, I don't know, that's just more powerful. So I, 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 like my heart really shifted from wanting to go to the mainstream to going, man, I could actually really help these people look like Jesus. Each of them know 10 people that I'll never know. Um, so I got really excited about that. And then all of a sudden at that point, I got offered this job. And so I was a worship leader there for... Um, 10 or 11 years, um, so which was amazing. And then at that point, at uh, there was just this season where uh, I got moved out of Mariners. Jesus wanted me out of there. And I didn't know what I was going to go do. I just knew that he was moving us out. And um, so we ended so, up... So this is... Sorry, just to recap. Yeah. So, so you're a youth pastor. You yeah. get this diagnosis. Yep. With a week left of insurance, yep. you decide, I need to have insurance yep. because I need to go through this treatment. Right. And uh, and then at that same time, you get offered this job. Did yeah. you stick around as a youth pastor for any mm-hmm. length of time? Yeah, I mean, I was just a worship leader at, at, for a bunch of kids. Okay. Um, but you stuck around that job for a little while, but yeah. you were basically looking for something else. Yeah, well, I was going to go pursue my other music. Right. But, but then that no that longer time, was an option because of needing health insurance? No, it just... Uh, Jesus has started changing my heart. Yeah. And there are a few times in my life when he's actually changed my heart. Like there's no way in the world I wanted to lead worship for my life or do Christian anything. Hmm. You know, I just feel like we're just talking to ourselves. And um, so he really changed my heart. And in that place, then he opened these doors for this job, which was like, I love this. It couldn't, couldn't pull me away from there until he moved me out again. Um, and that was six years ago, seven years ago. That's when you moved to Nashville. Well, moved to Nashville two years ago, uh, two and a half. You've only been here for two years. Yeah. 
I've been here longer than you have. Yeah. Does not. I just, I look at you as one of those people. I'm like, oh, he's been here forever. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, like, I've traveled here for 10 or 11 years as a songwriter. Yeah. And then um, that's where I met Michael Farron. He yeah. was my first co-write 11 years ago or something like that. There's a weird thing in Nashville about like, uh, Nashville's a weird city to feel like you belong in. Right. I feel like. Because it's such a transient city, I guess. Because totally. so many people are moving in and out that totally. there's a feeling of, if you've only been here for a couple of years... A lot of times it's just, uh, oh, well, you may not be here much longer. Yeah. Um, but if you've been here for five or six years, there's like, you, you start to get to the point where you've, well, and so I've been here for five or six years, but I look at you like you've been here for 10. Yeah. It's kind I mean, of, I technically have just because I've written with so many people sure. over the years. So you were known when you came in here, so you were already yeah, part of the community. Yeah, I already had a community. And really. So when I moved here, I wasn't part of the community at all. Nobody had any idea who game. I was. Yeah. And I think for me, then, you know, I was, so that was six, six, seven years ago. And then I wrote this record because it was in that time that I left Mariners that it hit me that I'd, I'd spent all my time on the 80 minutes that we gather as the church. There are 10,080 minutes in a week and 80 of those minutes are like, Hey guys, come over here. We're going to worship. We'll tell you about Jesus. Bring people to this gathering, which is awesome. And I love the gathering so much. Um, but it became the point for me. And worship music became the point for me. And uh, it hit me that I've spent my whole life on that. And Jesus is like, there are 10,000 other minutes during the week. Hmm. What does that look like for you to actually worship during the 10,000 minutes? The 80 is great. But if we're not actually helping people in the 10,000 minutes, I don't think we're really doing our job. Um, so I just started saying, Jesus, I'm done working for you. Because to be honest, I was soul tired. I was exhausted. My soul was tired. Um, I mean, I'm always tired because I've got 20 kids, but um, I was soul tired. My, yeah, my I'm, tired atheist, with, I'm tired with one kid. I don't. Well, one was hard. Um, my atheist neighbor was also soul tired. But why do I say I've got this? I've got Jesus. I've got hope. I've got all these things we've sung about. Yeah, I got the source. I got the source, but I'm just as tired as my neighbor who does not acknowledge the source. Um, so I said, I'm done working for you, Jesus. I'm just going to hang with you from now on, and but I'm done working for you. I'm just going to be with you. So if you want me to work at Starbucks, awesome. If you want whatever you want, you just let me know, and I'm in. I'm just going to keep doing the next right move. And So I started writing about this stuff, and then all the labels in Nashville came to me and said, Hey, Tim, buddy, we want to sign you. And I was like, I don't need you people anymore. I, I don't... It's not like... I'm just hanging with Jesus. He's going to open doors. So he starts to open these doors, and that's when I signed my record deal. And isn't that the most awesome and frustrating thing? Because there are so many people that are that are listening to this that want something so badly. Yeah. And to be told, you know, a lot of times the Lord gives it to you the moment you stop wanting it. Yes, right. And you're like, shut up. Yeah. Well, people, I mean, this weekend even, I was... But that's how it works. It is so how it works. It's how it works. The Lord doesn't give you what your heart wants unless what your heart wants is Him if He loves you. So if you're listening, just re rewind that and write that down because that's a great, great way to say that, Jeff. Yeah. What did I say? I'm going to go back and re I'll listen to yeah, it. Yeah, figure it out because it was really great. <laughs> um, but really, I, I tell people all the time, I say, give up. They say, how do you get signed by Sony? You know, I'm like, I, you're going to hate my answer, but I'm just going to say give up because in a way, it's like giving up on your kingdom, like on being awesome. Um What's that look like? So I, for me, it came down to this thing of Jesus. The only time he talks about the good news, um, it's not him dying on the cross, apparently. 
not according to Jesus. Um, he doesn't say that's the good news of the gospel. Um, or raising again, that's not the good news or the gospel according to him, even though it is crazy great news. Every time, 52 times, he talks about the good news, and it's always about the kingdom of God. That's it, like his kingdom, where he's the king. And so it sort of hit me going, uh-oh, like there, what if there's more than just this American Christian life that I know? And so we started pursuing that. And so anyways, that's what we wrote that first record, Cast My Cares About. And um, then I ended up signing this record deal. And then Jesus keeps opening doors. And I started, I've been touring ever since. So Doors open, you walk through them. Yeah. You sing, you write. Yeah. And you take it a day at a time. I do. I do. Today is another day that I got to wake up. And I write a little X on my wrist every day, kind of going, you made it. Like, you got another day. And Jesus, what are you doing? Instead of me saying, Jesus, would you come along with me on this journey? Man, your your story is uh, one of those that I feel like it's presented as a hypothetical. Hmm. And it becomes kind of a cliche. You know, the people go, what if you were told that you had yeah, right. one year to live? Right. What if you were, what would you do with your life if yeah. you had, even fact, I think right before we started recording, I was talking about a conversation I had with Michael Farron yesterday where I went, if you had 10 minutes to live, right. what's the thing you would do? Totally. There's this compelling thing that like th- this question that immediately becomes compelling that we have this awareness that there's going to be an end to our lives yeah. and that the way we're living our lives now may not be uh, in line with what we're really called to do as believers and yeah. as individuals. Yeah, yeah. And, and so we present this hypothetical question all the time. Uh, 10 minutes, one year, five years, whatever, you were actually given that prognosis. Yeah. Is that the right word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, You had five years. And uh, at what point, how far into that five years did you start leading at Mariners? Oh, I was already leading. Um, Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, no. no. So I was was youth ministry. Right. And then that's when they gave me the five years was a week before I was done. Right. Um, And then I started leading worship probably. Like immediately. Uh, It was about... Six months to a year later. Okay. So. I mean, the, the, and really, cancer is not my story. Totally. And, and I think, you know, people in the past have asked me, hey, we share your story. And I go, man, that's a crappy story. Cancer is the dumbest story I own. Well, um, the, the, the part that I'm really interested in, because the majority of people listening to this podcast are singers. Yeah. And a lot of them are going to be singers that, you know, they, they have this weapon at their, their disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of music. I mean, I, I argue that music next to God's word is the greatest gift he's ever given us. Hmm. Uh, it, it, it actually is a vehicle for us learning God's word, memorizing God's yeah. word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I believe that there are things that, especially you know, on a Sunday when the church is gathered and is singing um, and, and, and a unified voice, there are things that, are, that can happen mm-hmm. that we don't see yeah. necessarily. Yep. You know? Um, and yet so many people, so many worship pastors, uh, are, are singing week in and week out and it becomes kind of a mundane activity Totally. and it becomes something that it's like, it's like they have this sword and it's become so blunt, Mm. you know? And so what fascinates me is not the cancer part of your story. It's the fact that, you know, you could make this sort of metaphorical statement that every one of us has cancer. Every, uh, every one of us, our days are limited. Right. Um, but how is it that, that music can continue to 
be the sharper sword rather than the dull sword yeah. for these people that are doing the job that you yeah. were doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you did you uh, did you lose heart? Did you get frustrated? Did you get angry through that? Like, yeah. what role did yeah, music yeah. play in it? Um, I mean, for one, m- music was one of my outlets for those things. For like, kind of forgetting. Uh, music was my outlet and is my outlet for my prayers. Hmm. So I, I don't look at songs, especially songs that I write for, um, in the context of Jesus. I don't see them as songs. I really see all of them, all of them as prayers. So when somebody says, in the, you know, the pastor says, Hey, do a really fast song in the very beginning. I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't like care about that, but I, I care more about like, what's the prayer that we want to do? Because let's celebrate who God is. I mean, you know, yeah. it just it changes things. But I think the, the gift of, I wrote a blog called The Gift of Cancer, um, is perspective. I mean, it's an awakening. It's an awareness. Yeah. And that's the gift of I think of that anything. boils down what I was saying down yeah. to like one yeah. word. It just, it's like, without perspective, it everything gets lost. So why I write this X on my wrist every single morning is a reminder to practice perspective. Um, mm. and that I woke up again today. Do you have a specific brand of, of marker you like to use? Well, you're looking at it. Yeah, okay, it's called there Sharpen. it is. He actually has a marker I in his pocket. I have one in my pocket that I, I don't sign people's autographs all day long. I literally have this thing, and I write it. Well, you do. I do. It's it's weird. It's weird being me, especially in Philadelphia. Um, you, you you sign autographs for people that didn't even ask because yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah. what their yeah. heart hey, wants. Hey, don't worry about it. My name's Tim. Here you go. <laughs> um, I, got, I brought my own Jarby. Yeah. Uh, I just actually hand my CDs out all the time or my old tapes. Um, but I, I write this is really like a practice. It is, I'm going to practice perspective today. Yeah. I'm going to practice an awareness today of something bigger going on that I'm, I'm just a part of. And really I, I wrote a song on my last record. It's called everywhere I go. And it hit me cause my daughter prayed for me before I went on tour. She said, um, Jesus, would you be with my daddy as he goes out on tour? And that is so cute because she's heard me pray that all yeah. my life, all her life. Jesus, be with us as we eat our food. Be with us as we whatever. And I'm like, uh-oh. I'm teaching my daughter to pray a prayer that could be one of the worst prayers I've ever prayed in my life. Like, why would I say, Jesus, would you be with me when he's like, uh, he's always I don't with know. You. Like, yeah. may, uh, you know what? Check again tomorrow because mm-hmm. I may not be there. No, that's crazy. Like... He's here and at work, and I don't need to invite him into my little, small little world. I'm, I'm part of his. Like, where's he at work? So just it's it's these like postures and these rhythms to put in our lives, these practices that I think change us. Even as worship leaders, I was talking to a worship leader yesterday, um, a great friend in, in Portland, and she'll call me often and go, hey, okay, I'm having trouble with this. And she's a great songwriter, one of my favorites. And... We're just talking about, you know, the prayer right before you, um, if you're a worship leader. Uh, by the way, is this going out to worship leaders? To anybody? There will definitely be some worship leaders listening. Okay, great. Um, you know, if you've ever led worship, uh, led people to pray their songs to Jesus, um, generally what happens right before you get up on stage is people pray. And I think it's one of the biggest wastes of time in most communities as I traveled up the country, 
Because it's generally this like, okay, be with us, God, as we go up and um, help the sound guy to not suck and, you know, give us wisdom <laughs> to not play the wrong notes. It's, it's very know, true. It's just the most cliche thing of our entire week. And it hit me. I'm like, nope, we're, we're not going to practice that. You know, and so I, I was helping her and I love to help worship leaders like think through even that, like, how are we making that something where we're more in agreement mm-hmm. on something? Like, we don't have to close our eyes and say, dear God, prayer. Like, what are we in agreement that Jesus yeah. is going to actually act upon this prayer? Like, that's crazy. Um, and, and the last thing I was going to say is just um, with that time, um, I've been asking worship leaders to ask their people, which song are you going to pray? Like the band guys, like what song do you need to pray to this morning? Yeah. And help them own it. You know, it's, it's been so cool, but it's just really like sh- reshaping perspective. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, one is a, a quote that I think is really famous, but it's, it's false. I think it's falsely attributed to St. Augustine and it's he who, who, he who sings prays twice. Hmm. Have you heard that before? Mm-hmm. I don't think he actually said it. Maybe he did. Either way, I like the, the yeah. saying. I mean, that's Mother Mother Teresa for sure. Yeah. 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 And uh, Gandhi probably. Yeah. Um, even though he didn't know Jesus. <laughs> but uh, the other thing that comes to mind is something that I talk about a lot. When I, when I talk to worship leaders about what is the ideal that we're striving for on Sunday, and I think... Hmm. Um, that's a good question. There is a... Uh, First of all, we have to admit that none of us have seen the ideal, right? We're striving for something mm-hmm. that we may never actually encounter yeah. this side of heaven, Yeah, that we'll get to heaven one day and go, oh, that's what we were striving for. Right. And we have right. to have an awareness right. of that. That's great. That's if we great. ever think we have a monopoly or, or an authority over what we're actually striving for, yeah. I think there's some arrogance we need to check yeah, at the door, you know? Um, but if I'm looking for a picture of it that I can sort of meditate on, I look at Genesis 2 with the scene of Adam and Eve's wedding. Hmm. And they're the first words we see recorded in human history um, of, of Adam singing a love song front to his wife, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, at last, you know, I shall call you woman because you were taken out of man. It's, it's the scene where God has put Adam to sleep, uh, taken his rib, fashioned Eve, woken him up, and then he introduces the two, and they're married mm. immediately, and God is the officiant. And Adam's response is to bust out in song. That's cool. Right? And it's a love song from a husband to a wife in praise of the glory of God. And that essentially was the world's first corporate worship experience. It was the first opportunity for there to be corporate worship yeah. experience because it was the first time there was more than one person. Right. Um. And, uh, this, well, and, and there's nothing that says that necessarily was definitively, uh, sung. It, it could have been poetry. We yeah. know it was at least poetry because it's yeah. broken into a stanza. Yeah. But I believe that it would have been sung because what sense would it have made for him to do anything other than that? Hmm. Right? Songs, um, in an ideal world come out of the overflow of our hearts. Right? Mm-hmm. And so when we're gathered corporately... That's the ideal that we're striving for is that, you know, it's almost like a song is an amplified prayer. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, but then there's this tension where we go, okay, but we've planned to do an up-tempo song at the beginning right, right. of the, you know, and it's not to say that that's a bad thing or that you should stop doing that yeah. or that, you know, like, yeah. It, but it's, th- there is a tension between wanting it to be authentic and wanting it to be planned. And I remember for a long time, I thought, 
I never want anything to be planned. I want to do, you know, maybe one Sunday we do one song and then the sermon and then three songs. And then yeah. the next Sunday we do four songs and then the sermon. And yeah. it needs to have that spontaneity for it to be authentic. And I don't believe that. I think that's cheap um, to, to say yeah. that that's what yeah. authenticity is boiled down to. Yeah. Now I actually see the value of a liturgy, yeah. of, of the predictability for just for the comfort for the, um, for the congregation being able to engage. But it's just so hard to put your finger on. I, I think there's, there's purpose in this, that it's so hard to put your finger on what we're actually striving for on Sunday as worship leaders and as a church. But yet we're still given these things that we can strive for that kind of seem abstract, like this picture in Genesis two. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I talk about that all the time, trying to, for myself, get out of the routine yep. of what Sunday might look like yeah. or what it starts to look like when I get really tired. Yeah, right. Is to realize, man, there's so much more to strive for than, than I even know how to strive for. Right. Yeah, I love that picture. Um, yeah, and there's also a, a I'm a big, I'm a big fan uh, probably because I think it's how Jesus actually led worship. So one of my questions is, is how how did Jesus lead worship? Hmm. Um, which I never have heard anybody ever ask. No, I had, don't think I've and ever asked that. It's or I've ever heard really ask different that. than what we all say. Um, it's fascinating, actually. So I did. I kind of studied that for a long while of going, okay. I know how Tomlin does and Hillsong and Bethel and, you know, that all wonderful. Um, but how did Jesus lead worship? Like probably the guy that if you're for followers of him, it's probably a good thing for us to figure probably out. Probably a good know? model to, I mean, know. I'm just saying, and it's really fascinating. What worship school did he go to? Do you that's, think? that's another valid question, which I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> you could probably find something. Um, but if you think about all of his, all of his interactions with people, um, like the woman at the well, let's say, um, what did he do? He asked her questions. He basically invited her into her own story and then said, respond to me. And she did. Uh, you've got the rich young ruler and he basically, what did he do? He literally asks some questions, invites him into his own story and then says, okay, now here's a question and now own your response to me. And the rich young ruler, that's hard to say 10 times fast, um, he walked away sad. Probably with the bird, you know. I mean, it just was like, <laughs> he walked away. And that was, he owned his response. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally, you go down the line of all the Jesus interactions with people, and he asked them questions to help them own their worship. And he tailors his answers to where they are. Yeah. You know, sometimes he, he says, you know, the rich young ruler, he says, do this stuff. And and you know it was way more stuff yeah. than than he could bear. Yeah. Uh, and then and then other times he gives um, very abstract answers. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, mostly. But the the, the learning in there is that um, how he did it was he asked questions, but the the deeper thing was he's helping people own the response. And most of us say that the, our definition for worship is a response to all that God is with all that we are. You know that. Whatever it is, generally has the idea of a response in it, and he's really giving all these people the ability to. He's like, "Hey, um, I'm gonna tee this up for you, and now you get to own your response." So it, at some point, when uh, we're singing a song, do I own this prayer, 
or am I just singing it because I've got a great voice? Yeah. And that's such a big difference. Now, a bunch of us can actually fake it. Um, and that is what it is. You know, there, there are times when you just, you sing the fire out of something and you're like, I don't know what I just sang, nor do yeah. I really own it at all. But I think if we're really trying to get to the, like a really heart of a soft heart, um, and actually leading people really well as I think is when we can own this prayer. And then ultimately as leaders, we're helping other people own this prayer. I think it's why I love David Wilcox so much is that through his stories and his questions, Mm -hmm. everybody owns it in some way. Like, um, it just it just happens. Like in the beginning of a, of a gathering, when we're doing something really exciting, everybody's freaking out, and we say, "God is good." Everybody's like, "Yeah, God's so great! How great thou art! How great mm-hmm. thou art!" Um, I guarantee you, if you actually ask people, "Hey, why would you say God is good?" Nobody would know the answer to that right away. They wouldn't really know why they're singing until you said, "Hey, just for a second, why would you say God is good?" You put it in context, and all of a sudden they go, "You know what?" Um, me, I would say, I woke up again. You would say, I got a really great daughter, an amazing wife. Um, you know, all of the people in the room would say, man, I, I, I should have died in that accident yesterday, but I didn't. Yeah. Whatever, everybody's owning their own thing. And now when we sing that song, I guarantee you that they will sing because they're owning why they're actually grateful. And I think as singers, um, we can fake it, but nobody really wants to fake it. Like, yeah. what would it be like for us to own that? Even though we've sung that prayer a million times, we can re-own it today because we woke up again, you know? Do you so. ever have that experience that um, I've definitely had, and I'm sure there are people listening that have had this experience, where you get halfway through the second verse and you go, have I even been singing the right lyrics? What is this song even about? <laughs> yes. Do you ever have that experience? Oh, Totally. And so what I what I started doing, like I remember doing that specifically. I don't know why this one pops up, but um, there's that hymn that I love jacking with and making a little more modern. But um, on Christ's solid rock I stand on uh-huh. the ground, and I love this song. And I just like I whipped through that song, and I was like, uh oh, I don't know what I just sang, <laughs> and I just passed right through that sucker. And I remember stopping um, and just kind of vamping for a second, and. I asked my, I've, I've begun to like ask myself questions of go, okay, so what, Tim, what did you stand on this past week? Like what solid ground were you standing on? And I remember in that moment going, I just, I just asked the whole crowd said, what, what did you stand on this week? Like, what was your hope built on this week? Like, was it a relationship? And, and then all of a sudden people get to enter in and have their yeah. own. So I, whenever I do that, generally I will stop and ask myself the question like, okay, that was dumb. I just wasted two minutes of my breath and I'm done wasting my breath. You know, the gift, I, I think I, I tell artists this, you know, my students this all the time, the gift that an artist or, or a worship leader, anybody that's on a, on a platform, because there's, there's a something weird. It's like center, Jesus should be at the center of our worship service and yet it's somebody on a microphone and everybody's facing right. this person staring at them. Right. And, and, you know, a lot of people I think struggle with that. Yeah. Um, I think that the gift that uh, a worship leader or an artist has the opportunity to give is an authentic experience, that that it's, mm. I'm on stage and I'm being real. Yeah. I'm being real about the fact that I'm acknowledging that I just sang an entire song about Jesus and I don't even know if I was singing about Jesus. I could have been singing about the carpet that we <laughs> right. installed in my house last week. Right, right. You know, uh, like I really have no recollection of it because I was on autopilot. Um there's a story uh, that I go back to all the time about Mindy Smith. 
Oh. Um, oh. So Mindy Smith mm. had this hit uh, called Come to Jesus. Uh, it was like 15 years ago or something like that. Um, you know, worry not my daughters, oh, worry gosh. not my son's child when life don't seem mm-hmm. worth Am I gonna get sued for singing this on the podcast? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, gosh, Jesus. So, um, so she is performing this, I think at 12th and Porter at some bar in yeah. Nashville. It's about a month before the song breaks and like, like goes yeah. huge. Yeah. And, um, and she tells everybody that she played this song for her grandmother on her grandmother's deathbed. And that every time she plays the song live, it's like she's reliving her grandmother's death. And the question I want to ask is, what sane person would agree to go through that experience huh. over huh. and over and over and over again? But yeah. you know what? When it's real for her, when she's not just going through the motions yeah. and there's this, she's actually reliving this moment, she stirs something in the people that are listening mm. to her. Yep. Right? Yep. Totally. And so if somebody is getting on stage and just going through the motions and singing lyrics and it's like, I have no idea what I'm singing, yeah. you're missing the power yeah. of song. Yeah. You're missing the power of the platform that you've yeah. been given. But when it's authentic, there's something that can be communicated in song that cannot be communicated simply through speaking. Yeah. If you were to get up and just speak the lyrics of On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand... You might actually be a little more like cognitively aware of you'll process the lyrics in a different way and you'll think about them, but it's much uh, less likely to become an emotionally connected yeah 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 experience. But it requires the striving for authenticity. It requires that you shake yourself awake yeah as you're walking on stage and you just be honest yeah you know even if you feel like man I'm a hypocrite. I shouldn't be up here today. Yeah. Like, like, gosh, I've screwed up so many times this week and I'm now going to go sing about truth. Yeah. It's like, well, that is your truth. Yeah. That's why you need to sing that truth over yourself. And when you allow yourself to be real, I think that audiences get it. I think that audiences can see. Do you find that? Do you find that? I think it's true. I think some of us are really, I, I just know it because I'm around it so much. I think there's some people that are just, crazy gifted some of you can sing the fire out of anything sure and it doesn't matter i mean it's like you're so you're so good at it that everybody just trusts you and believes you some people actually are really authentic but they come across real cheesy and not authentic so i don't don't know where that blend is i just know for the integrity of our hearts and actually living a life that's actually not wasting our breath and i'm a a big um, advocate of not wasting our breath anymore Hmm. um I don't think anybody really wants to waste their breath. So uh, I, I just, for me, I think you can really, I can read people. I think most people can read when something's really true to their heart at that moment. And when somebody's just doing their just thing. Going through the motions. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's it's hard when you do it every single night. So, you know, my, my best friend is Bart from Mercy Me. And the song I Can Only Imagine which, um, what an exciting time for him right now. Yeah, man, that that movie, the movie is great. And I haven't seen it yet. It's really great. Is it awesome? It's really great. Yeah, go see go see that movie. I can only imagine. I it's, can only imagine. It's yeah, it's it's a little plug for Bart. Um, but he sings that song every single night. I can only imagine. I mean, that's like a gajillion times he's yeah. sung that song. Um and there are nights that I think it really connects with him and some nights that he's got to work at it and and there's yeah. 
but for me, the, the, when I'm like singing like worship songs or some, some of my songs, for the most part, I would say about 70% of the time I'm working at owning each song that I sing. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's work. just a good practice for us to remember that. And there's no shame in it because we all do it, but it's just a good practice for us to whatever you're singing, um, unless you're singing about, I don't know, other things that I can't talk about on this. Um, owning that prayers or owning that, that song or that, that heart moment is pr- a pretty cool thing to do. And I think it's good practice for us to do. Do you find that you have any um, practical tips for, for like what helps you get into that headspace since you're doing it every single night that gets into that place where you, you walk on stage and you go, okay, I'm going to actually be authentic. I'm going to own this. Like what, what do you have to do leading up to that point to make sure that you're there or, and what might just completely derail that experience of you, like actually being authentic on stage? Uh, I think for me being more worried about how my voice is sounding, if I'm hitting that note or not, you know, it's the technical side of, uh-huh. you know, how I'm playing, how the guitar sounds, how okay, now you're jumping into my world. Yeah. But that's like, that's like where that's the conversation I have on a daily basis, multiple right. times a day I with bet. people as a vocal coach is like, you know, the worst thing a vocal coach would ever do is draw all of your attention to the technical side right. of your voice. I mean, my job is not to get people to follow the rules. My job right. is to get people to be able to forget about the rules right. and have yeah, their voice do that. exactly what it needs to do. I love that. And, that, and it, I think for most of us singers, that's, that is a huge hurdle. Um, so that's a distractor. I think that the thing that brings me back is trying to be just intentional with owning whatever that thing is that I'm owning. I mean, I, I really fight for that. Um, and, you know, I, the other night, my friend Mike, after my set, he's like, how'd you, how'd you do? How, how'd it go? I'm like, dang it, man, I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't do something well or, you know, sucked at singing something or I didn't hit these notes or I didn't, whatever. And he kind of challenged me a little bit. He's like, okay, but what, what are we doing? I'm like, crap. right you're right you're right you know it was just it was good to like have that kind of a friend to kind of lean in and just remind each other of what are we Mm. actually doing you know i was gonna say people yeah are the thing that for me yes it's it's being around people that get it that uh can help me get it more and that that i can remind yeah when they lose it and they can remind me when i lose it so big and you are uh i mean you're on tour right now with some pretty fantastic people yeah um, yeah. so I'm sure that helps quite a bit that each of us forget it and each of us remind each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty Amen. cool. Well, Tim, it's been really good to have you and your beard. Thank you. On the podcast. Thank you. Today. Uh, it's been, um, very encouraging for me. Very enlightening for me. Good. It's good to be it's with you. It's always good dude. to spend time with you. All right. People figure out how to follow Jeff Moore. Yeah. Literally his last name is Moore. <laughs> Jeff Moore in the distance. Nope, that's an artist. His name is Jeff Moore. That's not me. I know. I just said follow Jeff Moore. Like, you should follow you more. So don't follow me, follow Jeff Moore. No. Everybody, uh, my name's Tim. (laughs) God bless America. God bless Neil Diamond. (laughs) And God bless you.